to another edition of Sounding Board. Uh, Nick, good to see you again. Good evening. Um, so I had I had another question prepared for you. Okay. That we've we've talked a little bit about this in the past, but probably not for a while, um, or in a roundabout way. Um, All right. So if you were, I know you don't want this. <laughs> if you if you were in power, okay, you were the prime minister or whatever, the head of some mythical state. Okay. Well, let's just say it's Great Britain for the purpose of this thought experiment. Yeah. If you could do one thing, just one thing, and it, it, I'll, I'll allow it to be quite a big thing, okay, yeah, but yeah. you can't just say, I would scrap the entire government and burn it to the ground and whatever. So you've, yeah. got, to, you've got to pick something to do. Okay. If you could do one thing, what would you do? You know, what would you pick that would have the biggest impact, have the biggest positive oh. impact on people's lives okay. in Great Britain today? So you know, imagine the okay. state as it is now. So I can I can give you a couple of things that I've thought about if you while you think or do you? No, I'm, I'm, I'm already ready. You're straight there, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm already ready. I mean, it, I'm, I'm, I imagine we have similar views on this. Um, yes, and I'm not saying that this is perfectly thought through. Well, um, I'll give you thirty seconds. So we'll, we'll there'll be pitfalls, and we'll talk about them, and we'll talk about whether or not this all can class as one one thing, um, uh, because there's obviously a a huge problem with the fact that the state is so large, there's such a bank of law. Where do you start? Then, well, exactly, where do you start? But I must admit, I'm, I'm gonna, for the purposes of this, I'm gonna go down a bit of an objectivist route, okay? And this isn't, as you say, this isn't just about scrapping, scrapping the government. Oh, I think I know where you're going with this. This, um, this is the, uh, and I don't know whether to just credit Euron Brook or whether this is an Ayn Rand teaching, you know, part of her philosophy. Uh, but this is the, in, in the same as in the States, they've got a separation of church and state. This is a separation of economics in the state. And so I, lo I love this idea uh, that there should just be this rule that is the state can't do anything economic at all. Uh, and so then that does still include some things um, like like defence and stuff like that, um, which arguably isn't like economic. Although you actually you could argue that it's all economic, but um, but to but to say that the state can't get involved in anything to do with the economy would would mean surely that all regulation would have to go. A large swathes of law wouldn't be able to spend any money, raise any money. I mean, is that? Is that saying that there's no state at all at that point? I mean, well, we've had so we've had this discussion before. There is very much a state in an objectivist. Um, there is. It's small. It's, it's yeah, it's small, but it's still it's still there. So yeah, and, and yeah. taxes are raised voluntarily. I mean, that, this, so this is very much. And that's to, and well, and I mean, it's all about protecting. It's a state that protects the rights of individuals. That says that's what it does. Yes, um, I, I I would argue that you know if, if, if they've got a monopoly on force, then they're not protecting them all the rights of individuals. They're probably protecting some or trying to. Well, in this case, it would be protecting the economic rights of individuals if the economy is something the state can't have any hand in. Um, but as you say, protecting it would be by force. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, but that's that. If if you could cut out anything economic that the government does. I mean that, yeah, so that is that is bigger than I was anticipating. So the sorts of things that I was yeah, thinking Yeah, yeah, you were assuming I was going to go, you know, privatise the NHS or something like that, weren't you? I mean, yeah, so that was, well, that was, that was one of them, that you know, getting the state out of healthcare. Yeah. Um, although I don't know whether that would do the biggest... Land ownership would be an interesting one, now that I think about it, now that my, the cogs are whirring. Land ownership? Yeah. Um, proper ownership we're not talking the state owns so much land uh, and has 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 rights over it and, and our um, I mean, we talk about property rights and property rights being a, a fundamental right so you're talking about having actual property rights over your land yeah and that the state wouldn't own any land either someone so would have to own so that would would that in effect is that by the back door getting rid of the state? Because if they have no jurisdiction and everything it's, is private, it's about jurisdiction and it's about the, what what would be again? How would they be able to raise any money or um, or spend it if they don't own anything? Well, if they have if they have no jurisdiction, then they don't exist. So that's that's a, that's a way of getting getting rid of the state by the by the back door. Because if they have no jurisdiction on my land and my road, for example, if I own yeah. a road, yeah, then the cops can't go on the road. My my, my plot of land is a free port. 
Yes, and there are no, you know, I, you can't raise taxes on my land. Yeah. Because it's my land. Yeah. It's still this, too big. <laughs> but this, and this is the point, isn't it, is that what I'm looking at is those fundamentals. Yeah. It's the fact that when you look in our law, and it's not that I have a huge problem with the way that most of the common law we had has been developed. I think that's a, that's a pretty good process. Um, but there are, you know, there are laws that, that says that the state can just, HS2 style, seize your land. Yeah, compulsory in, purchase or compulsory eminent, purchase. eminent domain in America. Exactly. Uh, in order to just say, no, the state knows best. Um, there's also curious laws around you only actually own like the top of your land even. Yeah, if you ignore yeah. all of that, you know, someone can be, can tunnel down and then go sideways and, and you know, there's, there's this, like, I want to use the term land grab, but it's an underground grab is happening right now in areas of London where the rich are going down and building their basements with their discos and their swimming pools. But the point is, it's the first one who goes down and across that you know that gets it. And that, that to me seems so fundamentally bizarre that you don't own the three dimensions under, but how, underneath. How far, how far do you go down? How, you know, I mean, this, so this would... Uh, do you own everything to the Earth's core? Straight down from your house. Well, this would be so. This would be something that would ha- ideally. This would be precedent would be set via common law, and then something over time, something reasonable would be agreed, as opposed to some politician saying three feet or some arbitrary figure that. But you see, this is why you you do start thinking of you know, and we've had this discussion before about what, how you would end state straight away, how would you divvy up the land and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the the concept of of homesteading and, and and you know working the land, could you apply something like that so that you could go out and away from your property underground because you are well, it's maintaining about, it and it's creating all about, it's it. All about, it's all about use, isn't it? It's all about mixing um, mixing land or property with your labour. That's you know when when the two are mixed together. Then so what if you go underneath property. someone else's property and that means they then can't go can't go down. But how? But again, but if you if you're going around something, if, you, if you're going if you're going say let's say you're going hundred yards away from someone's property, hundred yards under the ground, ah. is that any different from going hundred yards away in another direction? So it is all about keeping some kind of distance, so that if you as long as you went as long as you went deep enough before you went across then someone else still can go down is that what you're talking about i, I don't know how it would work I, I imagine there'd be some but the concept of fairness with this would have yeah, to yeah. come out in 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 the common law kind of style in a precedent setting way wouldn't it uh, about weighing up the rights of of different individuals in different cases mm. i mean it, it might be that people say you know what um you might get rich one day and you might be able to tunnel down so yes. therefore you just own yeah you know um everything to the center of the earth it, if it that might, was the case it might end up that if, way if that was the case then and you can sell you can sell that land. That's, that's that's my point my point is is that you may choose to sell that to next door because they yeah. want to tunnel sideways yeah. and that's and that's up to you and then that would affect the value of your plot um you know and then the, and obviously the depth of it um because when you sell it on if someone else wants it and wanted to dig down uh, they couldn't because you'd sold off the rights to that bit. That would be fine. But as long as it's, to me, there would have to be those transactions. I think my gut reaction is you own you own everything straight down to the to the centre of the earth, or yeah, the crust. But again, even then, like, well, what if we get to the future where we can harvest magma or whatever? <laughs> like, because you know, you talk talking about the um, the things that are underground. I mean, America, it must be stressed, has completely different mm. um, rules in this regard, so that you can. Go down. What's yours is yours. You you, know, you find oil. Lucky you. Uh, you find a gold mine. That's that's yours. Uh, it's not the case over here. Not the case over here at all. Um, shale gas, all this kind of stuff. This house could be sat sat on a diamond mine, and it wouldn't it wouldn't be ours in in the, in the laws of this land. So, coming back to the original question, I, I think if if we were to be able to get um, property rights sorted. <laughs> I think that would make a big difference. It would, and these are all good things. Because, but it's still too much. I want you. To, I want you to have to think about this and actually pick something a bit smaller. Um, you. Well, that's 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 not very fair. Though you say pick something small. 
Yeah, no, I want you, I want you to, to think about the, the kind of smaller things as opposed to saying the state abolishes, you know, basically abolishes itself by getting, uh, you know, kind of getting um, okay. property rights back in order. So the thing that I, you tell me yours then. Well, I've got, I've got a couple of things. So you mentioned the NHS. That'll be a good one. Um, I don't think I don't actually think I'll do that first. Um, but getting the state out, state out of healthcare would obviously improve people's lives, and it would be a, a humongous saving. Yes, of course, of course. Um, so the things I was thinking of, yeah, um, getting the state out of education. I mean, s- state schools are little Marxist factories, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, they they are just they. Of course, state schools don't teach the dangers of the state, and you can't expect them to. No. But they shouldn't be in the business of teaching children and indoctrinating them in the first place. So that's that's one of the things I would I would think about doing because in generations' time, if everyone was taught in a private school, then people will be more property rights focused, and uh, you know, in thirty or forty years' time, so that will be a good thing. So you're playing the long game there with one change. Okay. Yes. Uh, another one is I'd abolish PAYE. And then make everyone that, that make everyone fill in the tax return. Have to yep. save up their tax, not spend it, and then at the end of the yep. year realize just how much they're giving to the government. Yeah, and then that will make people less likely to even you know to, to vote mean, for Corbyn and or anybody to be honest. Even um, even if it wasn't um, saving up for a whole year. Um, yeah. It, it, even if it was just, I mean, and obviously you know, obviously there'd be a huge number of transactions if you had to do it every month, um, but it would still. It would shine a light. But so it could it clearly. could it could be that at the end of the month, when you get your salary, the first thing you have to do is write the biggest chunk to the you know as a check to the treasury, yeah, and not exactly. to, not to your mortgage company, exactly to the treasury, which is everybody's biggest expense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, as um, uh, Dominic Frisbee likes to say, it's the, it's the the biggest thing you'll pay for over your entire life is the state. Uh, it dwarfs absolutely everything here: cars, houses. Uh, whatever, whatever else, food, water. <laughs> I mean, I was trying to, I was trying to think about the amount of tax that I paid over the past since I've been contracting. I've been contracting since two thousand and two, and I wasn't. Yeah. I was never earning as much as as I am now. But I mean, I, I paid over fifty grand of tax last year, and, and it's you know I could be. I, I'm by the end of my career, I'm going to have paid a, a couple of million probably. I think it's crazy. But you see, I think to actually truly. Work out how much tax, you and that's pay. just that's just income tax and yeah. national insurance and all just, that stuff. Just income tax, yeah. you know. Never mind the, the what was seventeen and a half, then fifteen, then twenty percent of VAT on on pretty much everything you've ever bought. Plus all the good stuff is taxed: petrol and booze and yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely taxed up to the nines. But you see, this is what it it is a it is a useful experiment to run, but uh, the, yeah the. Straight away with tax, I mean, you you made a change there that would not. It's not make a huge tax. tax. So it's not saying illegal or anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, so it could be we'll have a flat <coughs> tax of say ten percent or something. Because mm. I could I could get away with potentially get away with that. That would be that would be a huge change as well. Yeah, um, this is interesting. I, my my mind is going. I'm still not able to give you a, a, a definite because there's so many things that I'd want to do, including. Well, you get rid of all quangos, for example. That would be well, something that, that you could do. Exactly. Um, and, and while I'm in the civil service, I'm thinking about how you would smash the civil service um, in in some way. I, I saw um, I saw some stupid article, um, uh, and it was about it, it, the the title was about Boris starting conscription again, but it was it was about working for public sector organisations for an amount of time in your career, and it was saying the same thing the other way. It was saying that you know these these is a problem with the lifetime Mandarin that has never worked in the private sector either. And it's like, okay, are you, you are you're you're putting a, a a solution to a problem that you're not looking at the underlying cause. Yeah, you're, you're fixing the symptom. Here. <laughs> well, you're not, and you're not fixing it. Yeah, you? you're trying. You're tinkering with the symptom, and you're ignoring but the cause. Did, it did. Uh, this was this was Polly McKenzie actually. Uh, do you remember we saw her at the Big Ten Ideas Festival? Oh, she sh- she wanted to take everyone's money when they died. Is she the one hundred percent inheritance? Exactly. Oh, exactly. What an yeah. Exactly. So I I enjoy laughing at some of her articles because this is she is 
She's proper. She's a proper magic formula person. Yeah, but she doesn't think anything through. No. Not even for ten minutes. It just no. blur. It just all comes out. No, exactly. Um, but I have. I have said to people. I obviously in not a conscriptive way. <laughs> I've said to me, everyone should work for the public sector at some point in their in their career. I've I've said that to people in the past, having worked for a public sector organisation in order to just see how bad it is and I, I that that was the reason that, that my my working for a, a a local council and I worked for a, a housing association as well which is very kind of quasi in the middle of the road kind of you know bit of everything um, funding in this way um, but certainly a council it, that's that's government it's it's local government but it's still the state and it's eye-opening. It's absolutely eye-opening. And it's not that you can't get stuff done. Obviously, we question whether that stuff should be done by a, a state at all. But there's so much waste. Like, an unbelievable amount of waste. Like, you can go in, into any organisation, any private company, and you can go, that's a waste of time. That person shouldn't be there, whatever. But just take that and times it by a thousand, <laughs> okay, when you go into any kind of public public sector body. There are, there are the lifers. There are the people that should have gone like that. They're the, the unfireables because the, their policies just don't allow them uh, allow them to do it. There's, there's just the people who just constantly just push paper around and they're not doing anything real at all. Then there's the standard of, um, of, of, of whether it's customer service or, or, or whatever, where there's just, there's just no incentive to be better. And there's a few good people that really, really want to make a difference but they can't because of the rest of it, uh, and they quickly get disillusioned and they go. <laughs> um, and hopefully those people get turned into the likes of us where they go, that, that's the problem with the state. I mean, I, I, my opinions have been, you know, in a no small part formed by working in the public sector. I, mean, I don't think you've ever really, have you ever had a contract in anything? Not really. So I had a contract about 15 years ago for the post office. Okay, which is as close. And this as is where I've we have got. to be. We have to be honest that large organisations. I mean, the post office is a special case again, isn't it? But a large organisation is largely propped up by the state, by law and. In certain sectors, so banks. So I've had banking contra uh, contracts. So banking there, is there the same. That, that's all. I mean, that's a banking with the big banks. I mean, that's as close to a cartel. Yes, as close to the far right as you can, as we've got in this country. I would yes. say, you know, like a properly controlled economy. You know, only, only, only these handful of people can 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 do this this one thing. And and, and literally, you know, it was the triumvirate, wasn't it, or whatever? It was um, the the Treasury, the Bank of England, and what was the IFS, uh, the regulator, were supposedly these these three organisations working together. Uh, in order to um, in order to make sure that the banking sector run, ran correctly, but yeah, that's what what's that if not that, that that's far right as far as as yeah. far as I said. So I've I've had contracts in banks and they are awful. I mean, again, you get pockets where they're fine and they're efficient, but then so I was in a, I was in a really really good team of contractors developing some software for for um, for this bank, and we would churn stuff out, um, and then it would take months before it went live. Yeah, literally, literally months, and they would have these. And what was what was the process? But this wasn't because you know. Bear in mind, you you work in a in a, well. Okay, um, I, I certainly know that your your background in tech is more on the uh, on the quality side yep. of things, yeah, uh, uh, rather than the development side. I'm saying it, the the lines have been blurred a lot more now, but certainly in the times you were talking about there, you were providing the last bit of that of that process in terms yeah, of saying, so we're was, making sure this software is ready to go it's it not was, like you were just developing and someone else had to test it no 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 no. no. If this was this was ready to go live and this was just their bureaucracy and their admin to take it right to take it live it was literally months yeah um, and there were times when they said oh if only we'd have had this a few months ago we'd have got all this revenue in well you did you did um, so I've worked for energy companies I've, I've had them I've, uh, oh, what did you? Oh, you don't need to name drop, I suppose. I can't remember. It was, it was one of the biggest energy companies. Oh, really? Um, I still have been. Yeah. Um, so it was. Uh, yeah, they're pretty awful as well. And again, you get pockets where some people are efficient, but the rest of it are just. But it, right. So so, banking heavily, heavily controlled and regulated. Energy, 
um, pretty much been privatised from from the public sector. So you still got all the hangovers of that, uh, and and the fact that the, the, the part of that privatisation was about creating the regulators in the first place. I mean, seen as a model the world over of how to take things out of the state. And this, yeah. But, so this is the example of going from the far. Where are we on the to the far left? Yeah, <laughs> Working, uh, we saw we were on the video from the far left straight to the far right. So I, I see these yeah. things as as being the, the the more the further out you go, it's it's not like a I, I don't see it as being like, a, like a straight line. I see it as, as almost like a V shape, um, where you, it's it actually it's actually closer to get from one to the other than it is to get back to the centre. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, okay. So, so very very tight, a, a tight v. A tight V. Okay. And if you're from the far left, where everything is nationalised, you can. There's a short step from everything nationalised to everything being heavily regulated, and there being and private, yes, three or four different owners to going all the way back to the centre, which is perhaps light touch regulation and you know whatever. Well, this is. I mean, this is us. This is us. Our wishful thinking of what we think the centre ground should actually be. I suppose. Um, yeah. But your point stands in that actually that swap of ownership and control over. Um, and the creation of a regulator in that process. You're right. That's that's what happened with um, uh, it's what happened with railways. It's what happened with um, uh, with the energy uh, companies. It's what happened with BT um, and the communications um, sector as well. And it's, it's a big that's a big problem I have with this kind of the, the left right spectrum mm. because people automatically assume if you're if you're moving away from the from the far left, then you're going to have to go through the centre at some point. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. Things often go from from one to the other. Yeah, um, and it could be it'd be easier, vice versa. Well. It'd be easier to nationalise the banks when there are five or six of them. Yes, than if there are a thousand. Yes, exactly. So it's easy to go the other way as well. Um, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, and the same with the same with railways. And it'd be you know, if, if there was a completely private railway network, and there were hundreds of different railways and hundreds of different you know train line owners and, and, and what have you. Far harder to nationalise that, totally. which is another reason why they, you know, they, they kind of keep everything, yeah. everything tightly controlled. Yeah. So I mean, there obviously there are many flaws with this thought experiment of just uh, what if we could do this. Not least of which is that um, someone else can change the rules back again. Um, so you can just go well. The next person who gets in will will, will do the opposite. And that's that's the argument for abolishing it completely, isn't it? Exactly. If there, if there isn't a state, then they can't change the rules because yeah. whatever size the state is, it will get bigger and they will just write their own rules. I suppose this does, um, it, it triggers some memories in me of of of, of being that, that, whether you call it a centrist um, or, um, or magic formula monkey. Yeah. Um, before, before I really thought, when I just wanted to shrink the size of the state, when that's what I wanted to do, when I just believed in a smaller state. Well, we both did. Were, yeah. We both did, yeah, yeah. So 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, where, where you do stuff. Thinking. And, it, and in fact, before, um, b- before thinking about democracy in the, way, um, uh, in the way that we do now as well, as well uh, it, it's, it was about tweaks to the system. It was you know, maybe not quite Polly McKenzie-style tweaks, but it was about thinking about, yeah, should, uh, should term limits be introduced should certain things, and... yep, should certain positions be appointed or should they be um, approved in uh, you know, Senate style like in the US? Um, the House of Lords, the House of Lords, what should happen with the House of Lords? Uh, you know, the, the fact that we've got this revising chamber that is made of entirely unelected people. In fact, apart from one, there's one person who is elected by the people in the House of Lords, if I'm rightly. Some some there's some newish thing where, I th- in fact, yes, I think if, if someone actually resigns from the House of Lords, then they it's some it's some crazy crazy rule. Like but this. they're not elected by no us. no 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 they're elected by the other people in the House of Lords. So yeah, so the people that yeah, there's no it's there's no, again, there's no yeah. democracy no. there at all. Um, well, but again, this is the problem with the term democracy, isn't it? Is that um, it, well, it's like the EU, it's like EU commissioners. Yes, you know, but, but you see, that's the reverse. Over over over, over here, we have. An elected body, uh, the House of Commons. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. And the Lords is the revising chamber, um, and it's 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 basically the other way round. Um, the 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 Parliament in the EU, which has kind of been chosen by by voters, 
um, is the is the one that gets to tinker around a bit, but doesn't get to set the things in motion in the first place. But so, and this is this is another one of those great contradictions. So you get so many so many people, um, particularly lefties, um, uh, who are completely against the House of Lords. We should abolish the House of Lords. Yeah, people, yes. like, people like Liberal Democrats and people and Greens. Yeah, yeah, Greens. We should completely abolish the House of Lords. It's unelected. It's undemocratic. And yeah. we should get rid of it. Yeah. What about the uh, EU commissioners? Oh, they're fine. Yeah. They're just dandy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and they're, well, they're, they're the more important ones. But they're but don't you know they've been appointed by someone who was elected? Like what I love, it's a classic Remainist argument for the EU is of course there's democracy. Of course there's democracy. Do you not know that the Council of Ministers are the are the elected heads of state of all of the of all the country, and then and then they vote on things? I mean that's democracy. This is this is this is democracy squared, or you know, or, it's like a huge chain, and we're yeah, we're here. Yeah, um, but but again, it comes back to the uh, you know the arguments we were making last time about um, uh, the the appointees of those who've been elected. Uh, so Boris Johnson choosing someone like Dominic Cummings to work for him and to advise him in number ten um, is that democratic? But therefore, is anyone who works for a politician democratic no but then again you've got the civil service there's this there's this sense we're told that's the greatest yeah. it's, the, it's the it's the greatest civil service in the land and all, all of this i mean that's not a that's not a high bar no but we're told that they're beyond reproach we're t- again that's, this like, is, that's like saying syphilis is the greatest sexually transmitted <laughs> disease it's just <laughs> absolutely but again, the, it, it go back to education. We are we are told that the state is good. We are we are brought up to say it has to be there, uh, and and we're told that the civil service, the civil service. I mean, if you're a civil servant, you are public servant. You are to be trusted. It, it, it is yeah. You you must you must have good in your heart. Uh, you, you you must have only pure thoughts. But that that's how it is. It's how it's how it comes across, isn't it? But. But obviously, these it's, 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 human it's, beings. It's, yeah, civil service teachers, doctors and nurses. There's a whole yeah. swathe of, of as you say, public servants. Yeah, it, it's the it, they're very language surrounding all of it. But just just going back to the uh, going back to the point um, just now about how the EU works and how it's kind of democracy upon democracy upon democracy. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the people who favour that, if you try and ask them flat out, okay, so this is this is, I can see what you're doing here, and it's you know we elect. Um, a small portion of MEPs, yep. and we also elect uh, MPs for the government. The MEPs can do some. The the you know, the, the chosen governments also you know select commissioners and, and, and what have you. That's a chain. Yeah. How how big does this chain have to get before you are not happy with it? Yes. How many links in this chain? And yeah. They, they won't answer. No, they won't not. answer at all. They can't not. answer. What if a commissioner appoints someone else to do something yeah. else? Who appoints somebody else? Who appoints somebody else? Yeah. How, how big does it have to be before yeah. it, it, yeah, it ceases to be democracy? Yeah. And I'm saying it's not right now. I'm, I'm no. very clear. No. Um, not that I like democracy anyway, but I, I can at least set boundaries and say, that okay, if, if, if the people decide something that's democracy, anything else, and it, it ceases to be. I, I don't want to particularly invoke a stupid Remainist trope that, you know, we know so much more now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you know we've had this discussion before where it's like of course you do uh, another day has passed of course I know more you know I'm, I'm not an idiot I am learning all the time and even if you haven't learnt anymore you've had more time to think about all the stuff you didn't know exactly so just even like, if no new facts time, if, yeah, presented great. to you yeah um, but I I do know more about I, the, this last few years since the 2016 referendum um I, I think that it has been revealed a, a, a lot more of the inner workings of, of the EU, more, more since than in any kind of run up to it. Um, and certainly, you know, obviously we were aware of the of the, you know, the gargantuan nature of this bureaucracy and the fact that there was, you know, there's five presidents and, and all, of, all of this and they go from Strasbourg to Brussels and the gravy train and you know, the regulation and all that kind of stuff. Um, but actually understanding the inner workings of how one of these presidents gets appointed or in quotes elected chosen or whatever um the, the fact that we've now got uh, you know you know i mean i remember when when um you know tusk was uh, was chosen appointed yeah, whatever donald donald tusk 
and uh, and now you've got von der Leyen, is it a German? I know who you mean. I'm yeah. not sure the pronunciation. Um, do you remember it was um, uh, what did he? <laughs> Well, Nigel Farage called him a low-grade bank clerk. What was the, the guy before Tusk? <laughs> oh, I know who you mean. I know who you mean. I can't. I can't remember his name. That's how. That's how memorable this guy. Yeah. He, and he literally went, "Who are you?" And that's why it's quite funny. That I can't remember his name now. Um, but these are all basically failed politicians, aren't they? And and they just kind of one day someone pushes them up and goes, right, everyone, everyone vote for this person, call it democracy, and they'll be in charge. Because there was, there was Barroso as well, wasn't there? He was a, he was, oh, so... Um, he was one of the presidents, wasn't he? He, uh, was, a he was the, the ECB, wasn't he? He was the European Central Bank. Was he? Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, was it uh, Rompuy or Van Rompuy or oh, something? That's it, Van Rompuy. That's it, well done. <laughs> yeah, Herman. Herman Van Rompuy. Is that right? <laughs> Could be. Yeah, yeah. Who are you? <laughs> um... But the, understanding the methods that these people come to power, you know, let alone their backstories. You know, Juncker with his dodgy tax dealings in Luxembourg. And, I mean, so and if von der Leyen, she's under investigation. I mean, this is all, it's all a way of like hushing up. It's just, if, if you look at what Juncker did, actually, you or I would agree with a lot of that. It's like, why aren't you, why aren't you pushing for these sorts of reforms? Everywhere, make yeah. everywhere. Oh, Luxembourg a tax is a tax haven. Yeah, make everywhere a tax haven. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But it just goes to show that they have these other motives, doesn't it? it that that they that they just they just want the control. They want the power, um, and they want to uh, they want to wield it. Uh, that that's what it is. But yeah, I, I certainly I certainly have much more of an appreciation of those of those inner workings of uh, of things. Um, is it is it time? I've got I've got a uh, I've got another scotch. If you back snuck here. some some more scotch, yeah, I think it is. This time we've got the uh, Ockentosh and American oak. Nice, because it is becoming a bit of a thing. It is. It is. So while you're while you're um, can we can we move on? Have yeah. We, have you got yeah, more okay. things? Well, so there are, there are a couple of things I thought I'd talk to you about today. Another one is um, I wanted you to have a thing, and I did. I haven't sprung this. Oh, well, I have sprung this on I haven't talked to you about this before. Yeah. So, in my opinion. Um, now I'm going to have to separate people, broadly speaking, the people into the left and the right. Okay. Well, that's, a, that's one of our specialties. Yeah, but this is this is people, and I know we have said before that people you can't split them in between the left and the right. Uh, no, totally, they, they don't both, know. Yeah, because they don't really know the difference, and they but most people want bits of both. Thank you, sir. Cheers. Your health. Um, so I was I've been thinking about why the left seems to have the upper hand um, over or people who broadly identify on the left have the upper hand over people who broadly identify on the right. And I've got a couple of things. I just wasn't sure if you had anything that you did. Well, I've got stuff I could talk about with that, but you start. Okay, so the right the, the people who right wing is people who broadly identify themselves as being on the right. Yeah. Uh, virtually all of them have yielded somewhat to the left on a number of things and, and, and have said that this has to be the left-wing solution. So I'm thinking specifically of education, the NHS. Roads. Yeah. Roads, you could argue. No one argues that. That's, that's the, the lesser of them all. But the thing, things like the NHS and education. Um, and no, none of them on the right are saying actually I would prefer a right-wing solution to this. Whereas the left the obviously yield somewhat to the right as well in saying that, okay, yeah, we're regulating the banks. But they would absolutely very easily say, yeah, but I'd nationalise them if I could. So they would, yeah. lots of left-wingers would have a complete left-wing solution if they, had the, if they got their way. And they would be quite open about saying, if I had my way, there wouldn't be regulation. We don't own everything. Yes. Nobody on the right is doing that. So because they're already yielding somewhat, saying, "Well, yes, the left-wing solution is correct for for healthcare. The left-wing solution is okay for education." The left have got them already. So, well, if it's good enough for that, why is it not good enough for everything? And they're always on the back foot. So I think that's one of the reasons why the left is winning over the right. I I think makes sense. I no, I think that does. I think that we should define more clearly. Uh, what we mean don't, by so don't winning. say the left and the right. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, what we mean by what we mean by winning, because I think there's, yeah, there's there's what looks like 
the dominant position on Twitter. There's what the newspaper, big newspapers say. There's there's broadcast media. There's do you get what I'm saying? This I, th- this is different from what I don't like using the term average Joe, but you know the the people think. I I think if you had if you had generally left wing ideas, you wouldn't be afra- as afraid of speaking them as as I think that's as, always been the case. As, yeah, yeah. I of think course. that's always been the case. But right wingers have always yielded that little bit to the left. I yes, I think so. I think, but it's a right. How's the best way of putting it? This is where there there is there is a confusion between right wing and free market. Yes, I think that muddies the water with this because actually the left have a much they have a purity of vision in that well, that, regard. So there are there are there are shades of grey and there are there's like a sliding scale between uh, right and far between the centre and the far right. So yeah. there's a sliding scale. You can have laissez-faire regulation. You can yeah. have a light touch and then you can get a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more until you get to the banking regulation and you know far right fascism that kind of thing. Yeah. So there's there's very much you can kind of keep moving in in different directions. Go okay, we'll have a little bit less here, a little bit more. Yeah. With the left, basically, it's like it's nationalised and that's it. Yeah. And then that's, that's what I'm saying. It's a very simple argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so therefore, it's a very simple simple argument for people on the left to make. But also because because of that sliding scale, there's always going to be a mixed part of the economy that's part free, part regulated, mm. and what the left are doing, quite cleverly is saying, well, they're both on the right. They're, you know, Because you've yes. got an element of freedom on there, therefore freedom is on the right as well. And I think, that, I think that's a very important point to make. I, I think that by, by making freedom a right-wing idea, which it isn't, and it shouldn't be characterised as such, um, I, I think that's, again, that helps their purity. It's like everything but what we say, everything but state ownership is right-wing. Everything else must be right wing, uh, and so in fact, it's why they want to try and adopt other stupid things like and identity that, politics. Yeah, as well. and that's why that's why the Blairites are called right wingers and, and all sorts, isn't it? Yeah, people like Claire Fox. And you think, hang on a second. Oh yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, I I want to come back though to some some other right wing ideas because there there are more of them there are more of them than I think um, people think. And again, I, it's not just the fact that we've got a very clear definition of what we think right and left are. But the the idea that we need to that we need to regulate the internet, yeah, that's arguably the largest, most impactful right wing idea of now, isn't it? New idea. Yeah, but I'm saying yeah. it's going to happen. Yeah, oh, yeah, it, sure. It, it, it's going it's going to happen, and it's it's cropped up over the last few years. Uh, and now we've got to the point where social media companies are basically begging for that regulation. I've written about that. Well, we've they've got to, a, they've got to a certain size now, therefore it, well, let's, it, let's it just pull the drawbridge up so that them. nobody else can uh, get it, to where I am. Exactly. But it is a thoroughly right, right-wing idea, the creation of a regulator, or in, in the case of my, my understanding of where things are going at the moment, it's about giving Ofcom... Um, uh, the uh, uh, the powers over over uh, the big internet giants. Obviously, they've talked about specific taxes um, on, on yeah you know, taxes on revenues of the big internet companies and things like that. You know, trying to trying to work a way of getting getting money from um, from companies that are massively successful while not charging their customers for it. <laughs> and this we talked about this before about the the this this change in model of where money is made from. You can serve a customer now without charging them because you can make the custom make make the money elsewhere in return for some personal data, some advertising, um, uh, whatever, a personalized experience that other people can have access to in order to sell your products. And that that's flummoxed governments, hasn't it? That's com- that's completely taken so them I, yeah, this, this, this is one of the reasons I'm hoping that technology will ultimately proved to be impossible for government to regulate and yes. because it will just be moving so quickly um, that it just absolutely. can't keep up and it will just have to be forced to, to a- absolutely. Um, time. But it's no one, no one 
defines this as these are right-wing solutions. No one would ever say it. I, I think that the left are far more comfortable saying left-wing than the right are of saying right-wing. Um, they, will, they will be in favour of saying you know, sensible regulation or something like that. Um, whereas the left are all about the greater good, and you know, but they they have their slogans. The left that that resonates a lot easier, um, but there are the, the 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 encroachment of regulation, the continuing creation of of quangos and and extra bureaucracy. Um, that that's happening. That's happening all the time. There is there is no bonfire of red tape. The, you know, the tax code getting as huge as it ha has under. Uh, uh, under George Osborne or whatever, these are these are these right wing, these right wing. I mean, this ideas. would be this would be a really good opportunity for the right wingers to actually throw this in the left wingers' faces and say, "Look, this is our this is our solution. This is our solution. This is a right wing solution. Are you for internet regulation?" Yes. And if and if, if not, are you saying well, you would nationalise the internet? And they'd be too scared to say that. In which case, you can have them and say. Well, so if the, if, right, if the right wing solution is good for the internet, I agree. Why is it not better for everything else? I, I, I completely agree. I think if we put our our political hats on, not that I want to give ideas to the right wingers, they're not watching. But, <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm with you. We've we've said this before. We said if it was me, I would do this. Um, so many, so many things. I, I would I would hang my hat on. Um, uh, in you know in the Conservative Party in government for X number of years. You, you, you would. Why wouldn't you point at the things that you deem successful and the things that the public are okay with? No one's, no one's shouting about regulation. No one really cares. We're the only ones who care about regulation. The term regulation is put out there as a not even a necessary evil. It's seen as a good. We are, we are regulating these big bad corporate companies, um, which again is this borrowing from the left wing, isn't it? It's, it but it's saying. Our prescription, it, they're, it, and again, it thoroughly undermines themselves. They're saying they're right. Companies are evil, but of course their method of solving it is, is you know, is just crazy. Of course you don't want to own the company. We just need some sensible regulation. Put me in charge and I will regulate them for you. But they concede the argument in the first place. They have a different prescription for how to solve it. But they say the left is right in their assessment that all companies are all bad. Companies are bad. And... And they don't have an they don't have an opposing view of it. They they would never again, we've said this before, they they, they will never extol the virtues of capitalism or of free markets or even of regulation. They don't actually say a company should be free to make goods of this, but mainly because they aren't free. Mainly because the regulation does hinder them, it does control them, uh, it does stop them from uh, um, from unleashing their potential. It's not the kind of stuff you want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was just. Um, I, I, ha I have the feeling that it's it's going to get worse, and that it's going to be harder and harder to have either a right wing or a liberal perspective on things. And it's, yeah, it's, and they it's, can't they can't help it when they're on the TV, when they're on the radio, when they're in any kind of interview. The right wingers can't help but give a sop to the left wing first before they answer. It's just built in, isn't it? It's it's like they're saying, "Don't shoot me, I'm a nice guy, really." But, and that's how they come across with every policy. It's not. I say, but Boris is about the closest you're going to get to someone who will confidently stand up and say, "Of course, I'm for the free market, and I'm for regulation, and I'm for a public NHS." Yeah, it's again, it's it's the reason. So we we went into this in the previous podcast where I said I kind of split people up into into different categories. Into the like, yeah. the, you know, like the the, the regulators um, who yes. want to regulate stuff, and then, and so the, 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 you know they've got the right wingers who want to regulate, and then you've got the right wingers who want uh, want capitalism just so they can pay for the left wing stuff. And obviously, people yeah. are a, a mix of both of those things. But there's no one who just says capitalism is great, isn't it? Let's have more of yeah. it because it's great. Yeah. There's no, there's, these people don't exist, and I'm I'm a little bit torn because you know obviously started this off by saying the right wingers are losing ground to the left wingers and this is what they should do, hoping that none of them are listening. Um, but I'm not you know is that a good thing? So is it good that the rights are you know are struggling and do, should we should we 
should we cheer that the, the right are struggling or should we be unhappy because the left are winning? I mean, ideally, they're both struggling and they both implode and then that would be the end of that. Well, I'll refer you to a couple of podcasts to go where we talked about whether the right was a threat or not. And uh, I expressed more of a view than you that... Um, and this is in the same vein. That I don't really think they're much of a threat and these are all the reasons why. But the problem is, is that they're the, they're the ones who get in power. And so they arguably have much more, again, they have, they have much more direct control, even if they're being influenced by the policies of the left. It's a, it's a difficult one. It's, it's difficult because I think the, the people who have power within the Conservative Party are the centrists. Mm. I think the ones on the right aren't putting but any our, meaningful But positions. in our definition of alicartism in that way, you mean? Very, very specifically, these are the sacred cows: education, health. Police, but this is this is what we said a couple of then, po- a couple of podcasts ago as well. In that it's the the people are really winning because so the right the right wingers are losing because they're just rubbish. Yes. Um, the left wingers are losing because they're just mad, <laughs> and it's the centrists that are that are winning. Well, then we we have feared. We, you said there'll be a there'll be a left wing government, a proper left wing government. You'll somewhere will get elected. Yeah. You know, in in the next decade or so, because they'll just find someone who isn't mad. That was basically your point. Wasn't yeah. It? So they'll, they'll find someone. Certainly, who, they'll find someone who isn't terrorist sympathising and. Yeah. You know, so imagine imagine yeah, a younger Jeremy Corbyn who wasn't an anti semite, wasn't as against Britain, was just an absolute socialist. You know, wasn't was a bit was a bit more patriotic. Um, okay. you know. But again, who are you talking about? That that counts out even the articulate ones that exist. Well, so, Ash Sarkar's never going to fit that mould. No, no, of course not. And neither's Bastani and people. But even so, even someone like Keir Starmer is more is. Elect, more electable. I, I hate him. Is he? Is he though? Well, I think he's, he's just saying absolutely anything to get elected by the Labour members. Would you agree? He's going. He's going massively left wing. He is, and he could get elected. He could, he could be, in five or ten years, he could be the one that gets in. And I don't think off. so. I think, here's some predictions, <laughs> I don't think so, because he's going left wing. I think he's getting into the same trap, which is you go that far left with these policies, and you're not, you're not going to be elected. I, I'm, 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 I'm not just, quite as optimistic in that, in that I can see people that are very left wing getting elected. Um, I think a lot. I think lots, I think of, people, lots I, of people didn't like Corbyn because of his anti-Semitism. Lots of people didn't like him because he was just on the side of everybody but Britain. Um, and he, you know, he wavered on Brexit. I think. I think if you get rid of all those things and it's just some left winger, I can see them getting in. So imagine you another, another five or ten years of, of, of conservative so government. They'll just be crying out for anyone else, and if that other person. Is a rampant left winger. They'll just vote him in anyway. So you, well, 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 go. So you subscribe to the 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 current Labour playbook that says it was Brexit, it was also the leadership, um, but all our policies were popular. That's 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 what you subscribe to. Yeah, I think I, I don't think they were far wrong there. Whereas I subscribe more to the Boris form of centrism argument. I Where would, I would love that to be the case. Well, I think that the the majority showed that. I think I suppose the question is tell, who's after Boris. You can't tell the question that. is who's after Boris and whether or not there's a very real danger that trying to get rid of everyone's cars is going to have some kind of backlash. Yeah, there's there's a lot of absolute lunatic stuff. We talk about the loony left, okay? The loony centrism, the loony right that we've currently got, trying to trying to. <laughs> it just doesn't work. You're going to get rid of people's cars or you're going to turn them all electric, but you're not going to create the generating capacity to do it. And you, the only way you could do it is by building more fossil fuel um, energy plants or nuclear energy, I mean, neither that, of which is going to happen. He's, so he's brought that forward, but that's still like 2045. I mean, it's, 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 it's a long way off. Um, but I'm, I, so again, this is going, this is, think about this a different way. Okay, so Keir, Keir Starmer, you think, oh yeah, he's unelectable. Yeah, the Tories put up Chris Grayling, which you mentioned a couple of podcasts ago. Who's he's going to win out of those two? Why would the Tories put up Chris Grayling? For whatever reason, I don't know. They go, they have a. Oh, then they deserve everything they got. Yeah, but that could happen. They could put up someone unelectable. I seem to remember. I don't know whether we, we put this on a recording. 
I, I think I said that the Conservatives deserved... This was before the leadership election. The Conservative leadership election. Before Boris was running all this. And I turned around to you and said that the Conservative Party deserved Johnny Mercer as, as their leader. They deserve someone like him. And as, I'm not saying he's not a nice guy, but, but the, in, in terms of someone that thinks they have substance when they don't really, who is just trying to make themselves look good... Uh, while spouting some basically virtue signalling, I, mean, I think I think he's I think he's electable, but I think he's there's nothing really about him. That's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting at. But I think he'd be more if they put him up against someone like Stott, like, he'd probably win. Um, Way better than uh, Chris Grayling. <laughs> yeah, but, that's, that's a, but Grayling would be the classic example of you know like another Ian Duncan Smith, someone like that who just. People are just not that, going. That's to unfair on Ian Duncan Smith to, to put him against Chris Grayling in that, in that regard. But uh, yeah, we're talking about I mean, Ian, lost Ian, Ian Duncan Smith isn't as inept or as incompetent as Chris Grayling. I'm not. I'm not saying that, but he's very much unelectable. I think this is the difference between competence and um, uh, charisma, isn't it? Um, and and obviously Boris is seen to have both. Um, and to, to rely on the Conservative Party electing someone electable, I mean, that, that, that's something I don't like living with. <laughs> but, but for the, all the same reasons. Um, it, it was, we said the same thing about Theresa May. Yeah, she, should have, she should have won a hands down because Jeremy Corbyn and his cronies were, were there on the other side. But it's, it's clearly not that simple. I mean, so I guess I guess part of it is that the again that the right are are they're just not being clever. Um, so they should no. Be, I don't think they're very good politicians. They should be hammering how bad socialism is. And look, these are the policies that Jeremy Corbyn has been in favour of his entire life. He hasn't changed his opinion. You you know you yourself, the left, say he doesn't change his opinions. This is what he said in the 1980s about the Cold War. This is what he said about Russia. Yeah. This is what he said He's about been wrong, Germany. wrong, wrong, wrong. These are still wrong. his opinions. Yeah. This is what happened. This is what will happen under him. And they should just be going out and just shouting from the rooftops about how bad socialism and communism is. And this is what he wants. So, so do you agree with me then <laughs> that in purely political terms, um, since, since 2015... That was Cameron winning, wasn't it? Yes. Against Miliband. Yes. Yeah. So since 2015. It seems such a long time ago. No, it's one, it's one parliament, even though we've had, you know, so. I know, but it seems like forever. There's been yeah. so been five much years. happened. In five years. That, you know, let's just hark back to the moment where Innocent I could times. not stop laughing that Ed Balls had got, uh, got kicked out. You know, this was, this was hilarious stuff. But. That's the moment I'm saying that professionalism in politics, and this is a bold claim, this is generalisation beyond generalisation, but that professionalism in politics ended. And I'm saying that because were Cameron... They, were they professional beforehand? In relative terms <laughs> to now, in relative terms to the last five years, obviously you know, two and a half years ago, we were laughing at how you've got two unelectable parties. And they're squabbling, and they and they don't know what they're doing, and no one no one is good enough to do anything. Um, and it's been this this farce, uh, the, the, you know, the last three plus. I mean, years. with the Tories, it ended with Thatcher, I would say. Yes, but I think that Cameron gave us he did that. He gave us a sense of the facade of professionalism. He didn't get into scandal. He didn't get into silly scrapes. He didn't. He wasn't. Think how many ministers he lost. You know. Think. Ian Duncan Smith was like, you know, working pension secretary for years and years and years. Theresa May was. He had the most stable cabinet of decades. So I'm talking pure political terms. He had a successful government, even though he was in coalition with, um, with the Lib Dems. Blair was successful. You can't deny he was a political success. There was this bit, I mean, Brown, there's a blip of Brown at the end. <laughs> Where that that was a bit of a fuss, but I'm saying that the moment that, that David Cameron decided to try and renegotiate with the EU as a farce and call a referendum and all all that stuff, it's just, I mean. we're he, just he on may, this downward, downward, downward trend. He may have had he may have had a 
a stable government, but I'm not sure there was. I, th- I think the only. But we've not been there since. I'm saying, compared now to even the times, we look back on 2010 to 2015 in comparison to the last three years well, as some kind of paragon of <laughs> of good government. Well, I, I remember, you know, like in you know, like in, in those years, you know, what the, the worst thing you had to worry about was Ed Miliband getting in. That was yeah. like the worst thing. Like, yeah. That play was such innocent times. But also. They were, they were competent. You looked, you, you might have hated them, but you looked at Cameron Osborne and you thought they could win an election. Yeah, I think the reason you, th- the reason that you think that they're perhaps a bit more competent than they, than I think they are, um, is because they can't really get anything done in those five years because of the Lib Dems. And as soon as they had their own way, they just screwed everything up almost instantaneously. But they won the 2015 election. Yeah, on the basis of not really doing anything for five years and getting a free pass because of the Lib Dems. So you agree with me that from 2015 they mucked it up? I'm, I'm, I'm saying I that. think they weren't given the opportunity to muck it up because of the Lib Dems. I think that's, that's fair. That's, that, that, that's yeah. fair. I, yeah. think that, I think that's fair. I think if, had, had they not got into coalition with the Lib Dems in 2010, they'd have screwed up a lot sooner. We wouldn't have had this, this five years of... Yeah, of, but Blair invented this level of professionalism and engagement with the public and with the media... Uh, and again, I'm talking about not just one man here. I'm talking about the New Labour New Labour project. Well, New Labour was one man for a while. Yeah, but we had other people pulling the strings, and you yeah. know, uh, and, and and you know, people behind the scenes. Um, but we just there's there's none of that, and and I don't even class this current government with with a with a, 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 a for want of a better term, a, you know, a mandate and a landslide and a majority. Um, as being professional, there's still bizarre things happening, but they just happen well, who, to be in power, yeah, and they've, they've who, got they could lose they could lose seventy MPs in scandal and still be able to govern. Who was that guy who they recruited recently and and they had to get rid of because of his one of the weirdos and misfits? Yeah, I can't remember. Sabisky was it? Whatever. But again, this is the sort of thing that wouldn't have happened under a slightly more professional government. I mean, this wouldn't have happened under Thatcher. But did it happen under Cameron? No. I'm, 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 I'm sorry, I don't wish to defend him, but I'm saying that we well, do live in times so his, his, with this stuff's more common. director of communications, Andy, Andy Coulson. Oh, I'd forgotten about him. So there was a bit of a scandal about him. So he, was that he, the phone hacking? Was that why? Yeah, he, yeah okay. he, he, was, he was seen to have been involved. Okay, yeah. That's about it, though, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Pig's head. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty much it. But this is the time we live in now. We we live in a time now um, where it is it is du jour to to have these stupid. The bar is so low now for political stories and scandals that you can have one a week. And, and, and people just Corbyn turn, didn't people help just, that. Obviously, people just turn off from them completely. They just think, oh, what is it? Yeah, if if, if it doesn't happen in a week, that's almost news. So is there? Is there a way back from that? Can if government is professional and scandal-free for the next five years, then does that rebuild trust in the statist project? I mean, so, do, is that what you want? Is my question. No, I love them falling apart and just imploding and just you know just show, showing what the most people would just say how is, useless they are. But what most people would say is. Uh, and most people that would define themselves as libertarian in this country as well. Let's let's be clear that, but they just need to be seen to be more competent than the left because the left are much more dangerous, at least worse territory still. They they're not actually willing to see the gut the, the state project implode because they fear that that is the route in for the Marxists. Now Marx theory is isn't it? Marxist theory is that you know, you know this what's his name John McDonald was. Was on camera saying, uh, the the financial don't crisis, waste it. For God's sake, don't waste it. They they, they see um, chaos as their opportunity to get in, and as I say, I think that's a proper Marxist teaching, isn't it? Is that that's the way you do it? And this, so this could be this could be another test of a true libertarian. If there is such. This is, I'm getting a bit no true Scotsman here on you, but this could be this could be another test. And then there are obviously there are lots of questions you can ask. There's like you know, would you be approved? Yeah, what do you have to say about like? People selling drugs in the school playgrounds, like kind of rubbish. Um, um, that is so. That's a, such a false. I know, but um, you could. It's, it's, it should there be laws against it? Is the question I think, uh, as opposed to are you personally in favour of it? Um, but anyway, so one of the, one of the questions you could ask 
is would you be happy with seeing the right fail? And I think a, a libertarian, a, an actual libertarian would say, yeah, because the left will fail ultimately. Likewise well. with centrism. So to, yeah, yeah. It's centrism, centrists are the enemy. Yeah, I, I would. Because they're I, more credible. If, if they you, give a more credible view of what government should be. I don't want a credible view of what if government you want, should be. If you want everything to fail and you don't care which order it's in, then I think you're, you're, you're a libertarian. I think if you, yes. if you want the state to be reduced, but you want it to happen in your specific order, I think the argument is that you're not really. Yeah, um, I think so. Or that you haven't, you haven't, you haven't quite, quite made the leap. Yeah. Yeah. But this is this interesting thing about, I mean, obviously the, the, the term, you know, red pilling, blue pilling, you know, or whatever. Um, it's, I think it, that, that again is seen as a kind of a right wing a right wing thing. Yeah, so the, the, the red pilled is if you if you're red pilled you're seeing you're you're talked about as being you've seen the error of the left and you're moving either to the right or to the to the free market whereas I would say red pilling is the government is rubbish welcome to voluntarism. Yeah. Um, so very very few people have actually taken the the red pill. They've perhaps nibbled on it a little bit and Yeah. <laughs> they like yeah. the taste of it but they're not ready to commit. <laughs> yeah, they haven't swallowed it whole yet. <laughs> yeah. I think that's fair. Uh, well, should we end on, on that? Yeah, on I think that so. positive think so. note of, <laughs> of our vision of red pilling. Um, you haven't got anything else you want to do? No, we can, we'll save that for another time. Okay, excellent. Well, thanks very much for uh, listening to the Sounding Board podcast and for watching on YouTube. Um, if you haven't already subscribed, please do. We need to get our numbers up. Please share it with other people. Uh, use your favourite podcast app. We're pretty much everywhere. Uh, and also, yeah, go onto YouTube and uh, tick the little box, click the little, what is it, a little bell or something that says um, when we've uploaded a new video. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening.